It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. All day long. How you doing, Torin? Not necessarily all day, but <laughs> at least for the time that we have your attention. I'm well, my dear. How are you? I'm pretty good. Just got back from TA Tech in Portugal on Wednesday. Yep. And did our community beer fest this weekend, so I'm a little tired, but uh, feeling pretty happy. So how was Lisbon? Oh, man. Uh, we're we're due for a visit back already. Lisbon, beautiful. Porto, beautiful. The the TA Tech team put on a hell of a show. It was probably the best one I've been to, and I've been to probably six or seven of theirs now. Um, they just keep getting better every time. So it was super fun. So uh, if you could, real quickly, what made this one the best one? So they did a really nice job of having a lot more diversity on the panels um, and the speaker list. They even actually had a transgender speaker um, at a tech conference. That's a huge deal. And it was great. Um, had a lot of female CEOs, a couple of female judges on the death match that Chad and Cheese put together, as well as a couple of female owned CEOs or female CEOs. Uh, on the death match. So it was really good, great content as always, but just even getting more diverse voices in there. I appreciate that. And hearing about your event reminds me of an image I put up myself engaged with Edward Snowden. Did you see that image by chance? Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> so, so tell me about that. I mean, you have to tell us. Yeah, yeah, let's just say the kid did pop his collar a little bit. You know, he felt and and I'm not a person who's starstruck. So I want to be very, very clear. I don't want anyone. I felt like it was an incredible conversation that he shared uh, with the audience. I don't want to say that the conversation was so revealing, if you will. I think that he was very matter of fact. I think that he reinforced uh, what's important. And, and I will share with you in a word what he said. I asked him a question. I said, given what you know about the government and data protection and these large social media platforms, these HR tech companies and others, given what you know about them and, and and how they are manipulating or using the data that they are capturing on us, what's the one thing that we can do? Because all of the crank, you know, complaining and, you know, belly aching, mm -hmm. whatever. What's the one thing that we can do? And Julie, what he said was care. He said, literally, you just have to care first. And not just you, Torin, but you, audience, you, Julie, you people that are in the country and outside of the country. We just have to care about how our data is being used. And then we must create a chorus. We must, as I always say, we have to speak up and make our voices, concerns heard, uh, maneuver through life, simply happy because we have convenience. He said we are moving in the wrong direction. So my husband's a veteran, you're a veteran, 
I, I have serious issues with what he did, not so much to the extent that he helped us to better understand some of the the Patriot Act and the privacy protections we've given up post 9-11. But so much of the documentation he has released has been related to covert military activities. And he's taking aid and refuge from our, our enemy. That's hard for me to kind of wrap my brain around, like, how did Unleash or why, may I, you can't speak for them, but, you know, why do you think it was important that his voice be heard when he's done things that have potentially made us less safe? I wasn't a part of, in any way, uh, who the speakers were, who anyone there was except for myself. Mm-hmm. And what was shared with me is that, of course, once it was revealed that he would be one of the keynotes, it was most certainly received as controversial. Yeah, uh, there were vendors uh, that that probably backed out. There yeah. certainly were individuals that did not purchase or ask for a refund uh, for a purchased ticket. But wow. the way that I understood. Um, his participation was that simply making us all to think differently about our workplaces and the future of work. And so when we think about uh, these various technologies, uh, and I won't try mm-hmm. to profess to be a technologist, <laughs> but when we think about these these technologies, I, I believe the the decision-making team felt like there is a large data component to mm-hmm. it. What are these HR tech companies doing? What are the companies themselves doing? How are they doing it with our government and foreign governments? And ultimately, what do we as individuals in this equation, whether we are entrepreneurs, current employees, will be future employees, what is it that we need to know and or be considering? And so what I would say to you is that as I looked out over the room at Unleash, for the most part, the session remained well attended from start to finish. And so if you ask my personal opinion, I I got to honestly tell you, I didn't feel one way or another about what he did. On one side, I felt you know, wow, you know, dude, release some information. I don't know how critical that information is. Uh, I don't 1000% trust any of the sources to tell me how terrible that release was or how not so terrible that release was. I just know that he released some information and having served as a communications analyst with a clearance, I know that I would be in trouble for releasing information. So that's number one. But the second side of me says, sometimes you do fall on a a sword because you absolutely believe in something. And my thinking, Julie, is that it may not be so much today, more so today than it was two, three years ago, but two or three years from now, I believe that people will look back and say what he did was more patriotic than... Um. Uh. What is what is that word called? Um. Treason. Treason. Thank you. More patriotic versus treasonous. I believe history will will write the story that way. The further we get away from the act itself, mm-hmm. and we start to see what happened. I've been waiting to talk to you about this since I I knew that you were going to be talking to him and eager to see how your brain worked. You know, if you've gotten any pushback or any when they saw that picture of you and and Snowden you know, the video of him, I guess, interacting on stage. Yeah. Well, I haven't, but you know, again, I'm, I'm here for it. (laughs) I don't really worry too. Yeah. I don't really worry too much about people 
you know, wanting to uh, engage. I'm willing to engage with anyone, even if they dissent from me, if they disagree with me, if they have an opinion that's similar to yours or even a bit more animus, you know, laced, if you will. I'm willing to deal with that as long as a person has some level of respect in that exchange, that discourse. So uh, what I will say to 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 anyone that's listening, though, uh, I absolutely appreciate uh, China Gorman, Mark Coleman and the entire Unleashed team. And I will say that, you know, I believe the next event in Paris uh, is just going to be off the record, Richter. So if, if in fact, uh, make sure you visit unleashgroup.io and you can get some additional information. Fair enough. So that that's kind of fun because I'm actually going to be at Unleashed in Paris too. There you go. Who knew? <laughs> and we'll actually be in July in London together, right? Yes, we sure will at Wreckfest. Absolutely. Heck yeah. More it's going to get uh, a pretty fun summer for Crazy and the King. And I'm sure we'll have more chats like this over probably a pint or two yeah. um, in London because I want to hear more about about the Unleashed event, but also just about your engagement with Snowden. I think it's just a super interesting opportunity that you had, and, and I just couldn't wait to talk about it. So sorry, guys, yeah. you had to indulge me for uh, a little Edward Snowden action. Yeah, no worries. But uh, <laughs> no worries. I know we've got a couple of interesting um, conversations in front of us for today's episode of the actual episode or do you want to kick us off with West Point? Absolutely. We have to do this. Um, It's Military Appreciation Month and we mentioned it uh, at the first pod in the month and I wanted to make sure that we covered this particular story because it's a wonderful story. And in this case, uh, West Point is about to graduate about 34. Well, actually, it's its largest uh, class of black women that are going to be graduating. And I'm so incredibly excited about this. 34 black women are going to be graduating this afternoon. Um, it's the largest African-American women ever class. Last year, it was, I want to say, 27. And I think uh, the year before that, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 17. What it suggests, uh, and based on the, the the readings that I went 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 over, West Point has been very intentional about increasing their representation of those that are underrepresented. They even have more Latinx individuals in this graduating class, and so I'm really excited about the fact that since they've created a uh, office of diversity back in 2014, they've worked very hard to attract, retain and promote uh, a more diverse workforce. A, they know that the military needs it. B, we understand that these individuals, um, some of them, many of them will move from the military to our places of business. And so I see this as a win-win all the way around. Uh, And Julie, I don't know if you know much about West Point, but so far, 5,000 women have graduated uh, from West Point since 1990. Here's the reason why I'm sharing this story. Uh, And certainly feel free to jump in if you'd like. But the reason why I'm sharing this story is because I don't know how many of our listeners have a proactive relationship with West Point, with other military uh, institutions. Why is that important? Because the military is going to put and pour into these women as well as all of the cadets that are graduating and try to place them in 
you know, positions where they are gaining in terms of leadership skills, they're gaining technical skills, they're gaining what some consider soft skills, other consider essential skills. They're learning teamwork, corporate mores, even though they're from a military angle, they're still learning how to maneuver through and migrate through these various levels of of growth. And, and so I believe it, it's incumbent upon organizations to start building those relationships. Now, these women only have a five-year commitment. All of the cadets have nothing more than a five-year commitment. And after that, they're able to do what they'd like to do. But in that five years, they're going to be traveling all around the world. They're going to be learning processes and technologies. They're going to be building their network. And wouldn't it be fantastic for an organization to congratulate these women right now on being a part of history and to maybe send them a letter and email every once in a while, every three months, every six months, once a year, perhaps send someone out to have lunch with them or maybe uh, send them on a, a slight two the day vacation or a long weekend, but to just build a relationship, one where you are communicating with them so that the, at the end of the five year period, you have access to both them and their network. This DNI thing is not going away anytime soon. And one of the tactics to doing it better is to be intentional and to start now not later. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it absolutely does. So, you know, a few things I really love about, I don't know how to say it better, but West Point is the Harvard of of the military. So when I saw President Obama a, a couple of months ago now in Dallas, he really talked about the importance of building into the ranks of his mentorship programs and his lower level cabinet members and their aides, a diverse group of individuals who were growing into positions of leadership. And when you're talking about coming out as a West Point grad, you're talking about the ability to be a, what my husband calls a ring knocker, um, mover and shaker within the military and to make incredible Mm -hmm. change and to have an incredible network. And so when we talk about a growing number of women coming out of that graduating class, that's incredibly positive. When we talk about the fact that so many of them are African-American women that's incredibly positive. I think that what we need to also remember is that we want these women to have the opportunity to continue not only to grow in corporate leadership roles, but in military leadership roles because we need them there too. There is still a lot of opportunity within the military to change process and policy to make, to allow women the opportunity to get into those highest levels of military leadership, like offering more access to reproductive options, like better healthcare, mental health counseling, and and making sure that we're protecting women who are not getting um, sexually abused as they're going through the ranks and making sure that they have the protections that they need. And in order to get that, we need women in leadership who are going to advocate for women enlisted women, women on the ground that are the grunts going in and doing the really hard work. We need those women to represent all of us um, or all women in the military. No, you're absolutely right. And I, uh, there was a, a May 2016 photo of the uh, 16 uh, African-American women cadets. And in that particular photo, catch this. 
in that particular photo, the uh, women cadets put their right fist in the air. And you may remember John Carlos when uh, in the uh, Olympics, I want to say 1960, I think it was the 1968 Olympics. I can't remember. I apologize. Uh, But, you know, that that fist in the air is nothing more than power, black power, power, uh, resistance, pride. It, it's a it's a positive sign. And, and, and when the cadets did that, the military was wondering, you know, whether or not that that raised fist was a sign of free speech or some subversive political expression. So we still, to your point, need women both inside of the military, in leadership, high level leadership ranks, as well as them exiting the military and joining our corporate companies in high level leadership ranks, because until we around these decisions, then we will always be operating in a a more primitive fashion. We will always uh, find ourselves asking questions that are a bit dated, outdated, if you will. And and I couldn't be any happier. And, and, and when I think about cyber, when I think about automation, when I think about the prolonged stagnation around wages, you know, people right now, some reports say that people um, for a, what is that gross adjusted income or whatever it is, they say some people are, you know, w- running around with a 1973 wage right now. So there's just a lot of reasons why I'm excited about this story. I'm excited that they are being intentional about how they are recruiting underrepresented talent. And so I hope that our listeners in their respective organizations find that intentionality and do yeah, the yeah. same. And and with that intentionality, DNI leaders and corporate recruiters should remember that a very small percentage of veterans or those transitioning out of the military are going to be junior military officers. And so they need to be able to not just go after the the West Point grads, but they need to be thinking about women who have a very diverse range of skills and experiences who are enlisted, who are coming out with different levels of education and opportunity, but still bring an incredible amount of talent and value to their organizations. It's not just about the West Point kids, although they're pretty cool. Yeah. So I know hashtags are going to change uh, this week on social media. And again, if you're new to listening to our show, uh, understand that we will put links to the stories yeah. in the show notes. Uh, so listen, before, um, you know, this week, all of the hashtags were GOT in some way, <laughs> Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, oh, Game God. of Thrones. But it, it seems like you have a great second story, which might change people's hashtag watching pleasure. Yes. Talk well, about it. First of all, Game of Thrones. Oh my God. If you're a watcher, you know what I'm talking about. Torn, I don't think that you are, but I can tell you that I did not sleep on Sunday night because of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm, watch I'm not going to give summer. any spoilers away, but damn. Anyway, um, <laughs> so have All you right. uh, have you heard about this new show on AMC that just premiered last week called The Employables? I have not. I saw the link uh, when you put it in our show notes and I said, OK, this is going to be learning. Talk about it. Yeah. So thanks to, to Jeff Tupper, who actually passed this um, over to me earlier today. Even uh, I had not heard about it, but it's a new show on AMC and it's 45 minutes long. Uh, focuses on neurodiversity and challenges job seekers have in finding employment. 
And I watched the first episode last night, or I'm sorry, this afternoon. And Torrin, I have to tell you, if you're in DNI or if you're in talent acquisition and you're thinking about how do I add people with disabilities to my talent pool mm-hmm. and get them into the job, this is a must watch because this makes disability real in a way that I haven't seen a television show do. Wow. And well, let me ask you, let me ask you real quick. So, so what makes it real? What? just one of the highlights of, and how long was the episode that you watched? So it was 42 minutes with commercials. So it's a regular show. Uh, I think it's on Wednesday nights at 10. I'm going to DVR it on on AMC. But they had two two individuals. Uh, One guy, his name is James, 35, married. He has Tourette's and incredibly capable, incredibly smart, very interested in medicine as as a college student. But that's when his Tourette's developed and he um, decided that college wasn't going to work for him at that point and hasn't been employed um, because of his disability since then. So you're talking 15, 16 years of not being able to get consistent work, even though this guy has an IQ that is well above standard and he is able to recall information in incredible ways. And he was really struggling with finding the right job for him. And I, there were so many things, right? Just if, if you think about James, if you watch the episode, you'll appreciate this, that people with disabilities or, or maybe it's just job seekers in general, I don't know. He was applying for a sales job at a jewelry store. That's going to be a tough job for him not just because of, of his Tourette's, but because of his, his lack of confidence. And when he went in to apply for that job, he had on a dirty t-shirt. His face was pretty unkempt. Um, he just, somebody hadn't prepared him for those basic interview skills and those basic yeah. efforts. So in, in that case, it's like, oh yeah, we, you know, you see that all the time that this person isn't going to get that job in the first place because they didn't even play the part. And no one that he's been working with probably at a community based organization has taught him how necessary that is. So that didn't work out. Then he goes to a veterinary clinic and he has an opportunity to basically kind of do a work trial, which is like, hey, I'm going to be here for today and see if this is something I'm interested in doing and if they're interested in having me for a veterinary tech position. And he was so incredibly, he he just knew how to hold the animal, how to comfort the animal, exactly what blood tests the doctor was doing, where to hold the animal and what bones so that the animal wouldn't hurt themselves when the the veterinarian was drawing blood. But then a, a stray came in and had been hit by a car. And that was so overwhelming for him and stressed him so much that his Tourette's kind of went off the chart at that point during that situation. And unfortunately, he decided that that was probably going to be too stressful of a job for him. And I think a lot of times as as people with disabilities, we talk ourselves out of things that we can do because of the pain point at the moment. And we have to learn how to get through the repetition. The next time that happens, it's not going to be as scary. The 10th time that happens, it's not going to be as scary. And he had a lot to offer, I think, in that position. But he decided probably not right for me because it might exacerbate. And I, I would have, if I was working with him directly, I would have challenged him to give it a little bit more time and to have faith in himself and, and his ability to manage his condition. Because when he was doing it, he did it incredibly well. Mm-hmm. The good news, though, at the end of the day, 
and, and interestingly enough, when we were talking about Tourette's, not a job I would have chosen for him. He ended up being very successful and still working at a local museum, Greenville, Tennessee, I'm going to say, where he gives tours to elementary school kids and teaches them about the different exhibits in the museum. And he is a fan favorite and everybody loves him. And he is really happy and he's employed for the first time because someone decided to take a chance. And what was the coolest part of the whole episode, everyone, the support teams and the people that were coaching both individuals to get ready for interviews, they said, don't don't hide your disability. It, it's going to come out. It's going to be apparent. It's going to help you set that anxiety aside. And for James in particular, anxiety made his Tourette's more apparent. And so when he had that option in the interview and he said, yeah, I have a disability. If you can tell, I have Tourette's, but I still think I can do the job. And the hiring manager said, okay, tell me what that means. Tell me what you need to be able to do this job. And it's like, well, you know, I may need a break if, if we're really, really busy you know, I might need a, a few minutes between tours just to kind of reset my brain and get it together. And she was like, so all you're, you're telling me all you need is maybe just an extra break or two during your shift. He's like, yeah, absolutely. And so she did, he did a couple of trial tours and did a great job. And that employer has a great new employee because she was willing to hear that out and didn't think about, God, why do I have to give this guy an accommodation? Like, I don't want to give him an extra break. He was up front that allowed her to think of it positively. And it worked out. And it was awesome. I, I mean, it was awesome. That's the kind of stuff I get to do every day that, that changes the lives of people with disabilities, but also changes HR leaders and TA leaders and, and D&I professionals that can finally understand in a real way what it means to get a job, but also what it means to be able to give someone a job in that way. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, looking online now. One, I see that it's a real, real show. Um, a real, real show. You know, yeah. When I say real, real, I mean I didn't, I didn't know if it was act people acting out these various. No, this is absolutely real. So this is a great place for us to share with our listeners that uh, starting in June, uh, although Julie and I are extremely busy with the work that we do outside of the podcast. We are finding additional time to bring more content for our listeners. We want to be uh, heard more consistently. And so we're going yeah. to uh, continue our cadence of every other week, capturing and sharing uh, real-time stories, if you will. But then on the off weeks, we're going to bring guests, different voices in for you to hear from them. And they will be shorter pod installations, but nonetheless, they will still be consistent. And the reason I share that now uh, for our listeners, one, we want you them, we want all of you to know that we're going to increase uh, in our delivery of content every week starting in June. But as you're telling this story, Julie, I'm looking at a Dr. Ali Matu. Uh, he looks like he is um, uh, in this first season of the employables located in Brooklyn, New York. He's on. It's a person that I would reach out to to see if we could get him uh, to perhaps share with us some of the B-roll content, some of the challenges in being on that uh, series that, you know, firsthand, I think our listeners would appreciate hearing from from him, especially since he is up close 
uh, to the employables piece. I am definitely going to check this out. Oh, yeah. Dude, it is worth watching. And I'm not just saying that because I live in this world. Yeah. But it's it's game changing. And people who watch this will understand disability in a completely different way than they do now. I hope that they branch out outside of neurodiversity and we start seeing people with um, physical disabilities and with mental illness, like post-traumatic stress disorder and that kind of thing. But I think this is a great start because it's going to give people very real life examples, but they're going to be very evident examples. They're not going to be the hidden disabilities. They're not going to be the mental illness. So if you can wrap your brain around like these are okay and we can manage this, it makes everything else a lot easier. Love it. All right. So um, as we uh, bring this pod or this installation to a close, I know you have a few shout outs or name drops. I'm sorry. Uh, and I have one really, really, really big one. So you go first. You go first. Yeah, yours is the best one. So quick shout out to or name drop to Smashfly uh, for giving us a, a shout out as a plus one on Twitter for a must listen to DNI podcast just late last week. Um, again, to the TA Tech team, Pete and Peter Weddle for including a transgender speaker at the tech conference in Lisbon and for seeing a lot more female diversity on stage this time. Good job, guys. Thank you. Love you anyway. But uh, this was awesome. And also just to a new and upcoming product called Tengai, who's a Swedish interviewing robot and their team for their work on reducing bias in interviewing. Uh, I think this is such a huge opportunity for impact for for my community of people with disabilities. And it's, it's going to take a lot of work to make it happen, but we are definitely going to be interviewing their team in the fall um, on the podcast after they get done with this big round of testing candidates for interview with the robot 10 guy and, and letting us know what they learn. Yeah. So speaking of Smashfly, I will be at the Smashfly Transform Conference the uh, 19th through the 21st in June. So if you're in the Boston area within two or three hours, you have not gotten your ticket, please uh, visit uh, Smashfly's Transform website so that you can secure a ticket. Hey, listen, my name drop. Hold on. I'll be there too. I'll be there too. So back to your name drop. Cool. Yeah. So in light of the monumental announcement made yesterday uh, by Robert F. Smith from Vista Equity Partners, he actually, during the Morehouse commencement speech, shared that he would pay off uh, the student loan debt of every 2019 graduate from Morehouse College. Oh, my God. That's a really, really big deal yeah. uh, because that comes up to about $40 million. And so I share that because when we think about when we think about people being uh, saddled with student loan debt, how it strips people of their ability to be creative, yep. how it strips people of their ability to pursue passion and, um, you know, be able to work with the type of grit they'd like to work with. And I just feel like these graduates, uh, all uh, nearly 400 of them have a different lease on how they can start a professional career. And so if you want some excited graduates and you're listening to our podcast, uh, I would do everything I can to get in front of that uh, graduating class of 2019. Uh, and if the uh, other classes accept Robert Smith, Robert F. Smith's challenge, then uh, some beautiful things are going to happen in 2020 and 2021 as well. So, uh, Mr. Robert F. Smith, you are my name drop of the week. Uh, absolutely appreciate each and every one of you for listening. You can catch me this week on Sirius XM channel 126, 1 p.m. Uh, this Sunday when I interview the CEO of Khaki. 
I, I promise you we are going to have a incredible conversation. Make sure for me, make sure you enjoy the long weekend and this Memorial Day. Julie? Oh, yay. Yes. And uh, for June, I'll be getting ready to go to the AAAED conference and present. And I'll also be at JobGate in Denver in June, as well as uh, going and hanging out with Torin and the Chat and Cheese podcast. It's Smashfly in Boston. Absolutely. So listen, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Remember in June, we're going to continue to drop additional content so that you can hear from us as well as others that have an authentic appreciation for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. On behalf of Crazy and the King, we are Ghost. See ya. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.